Episode 86, Pharmacist Consulting Firm and Mergers. I'm your host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, and today we're Dr. Sylvia Perry's Perspective. Join 2017 Podcast Awards-nominated host, Dr. Justin Trosclair, as he gets a rarely seen look into the specialties of all types of doctors and guests, plus marketing, travel tips, struggles, goals, and relationship advice. Let's hear a doctor's perspective. Oh, this week is a special week. Not only was it my birthday, but at the time of this recording, I should be in Kunming waiting for my wife to go into labor for our sweet little new baby girl. I record these a little bit early, so next week I may have to do a quick change and say that we had a baby, but we'll see how that plays out. So excited. Well, look, I'm also excited because this week is Dr. Sylvia Perry. We're going to talk about big business mergers like from Amazon and CVS, and they, you know, they've already got like some nurse practitioners and things in some of the offices, and uh, now they're looking at, you know, delivery services and all kinds of those types of things. So we want to talk about that, especially as a pharmacist. She does work at corporate retail, but she also has a independent consulting firm. And so we go into what that means. How does that, what does that look like uh, for a pharmacist? Interdisciplinary cooperation, especially with like medical doctors. Also some great ways, some inventive ways to reach out to the community that maybe you haven't thought of. And if you're qualified to do it, I think it could be a good thing. Definitely get your name out there. Plus, she has a passion for mentoring, and we'll hear more about that, especially with her work in her sorority that she was a part of, and still is for that matter. So it's going to be a good episode. A doctorsperspective.net slash 86. Let's go hashtag behind the curtain. Live from China in Dallas, Texas, today's guest hails from the School of Xavier out in New Orleans, and she has been doing this since 2005. She is a pharmacy. Her name is Dr. Sylvia Perry. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thanks for having me. All hell XU. Well, oh, XU. That's the name, huh? Yes. My beloved Xavier. You know, I always loved the X names because there was never any. It was like, there's so few. And then Xavier's right there. I just love it. It's pretty cool. Do y'all have a feud with Grambling and all that in that area? Um, Dillard. So, um, Dillard. Dillard is across town and we both just have the basketball team. So that's, that's our big feud. If you want to call it that, I mean, <laughs> it's all love, but yeah. Yeah. Dillard games were the big games. Um, everybody went to. Okay. Dillard. I, I forgot about that place. I only hear, you know, obviously I hear who I see on my Facebook feed from people. <laughs> well, there's a lot of things you could have done in life. There's a lot of doctor skills you could have picked up. You chose pharmacy. How'd that happen? I have my dad to thank for that, honestly. When I finished high school and was preparing for college, I was going to be a children's dentist. And on all my scholarship applications, I put I was going to provide great dental care without the scare. But once I got to <laughs> school, I realized that maybe that was a little corny. But also, I really didn't want to... Be in people's mouths all the time. So I started to look around. I knew I wanted to be a medical professional, but um, I was rethinking dentistry. And I spoke with my dad. He had a good friend that was um, a pharmacist. And he encouraged me to pursue that as an option. And Xavier had a college of pharmacy. So um, I always thought pharmacy wasn't a health profession. I thought it was like an apprenticeship, like dry cleaning or something like that. I just never saw the right. professional. 
that really wasn't on my radar. So once it was, I looked into it and I applied and I got in. And what do they say? The rest is history. I consider it the best decision I've made up until this point. So I agree. I, I thought dentistry too. And I was like, that just, yeah. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> not so sure. Plus the surgeries. I've seen those surgeries now and I'm like, whoa, you got to do that every day? That is intense. Very intense. Very, a lot of respect for dentists. I admire what they do. But yeah, they're definitely more capable people than I would have been if I was a dentist. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. So pharmacy, there's uh, different avenues you can go. I I learned this back as a chiropractor because I was kind of ignorant as well. I was like, so... You just push pills in a little bottle all day and make sure nobody's going to have a double interaction. And she's like, are you serious? I was like, well, it wasn't that rude, but it was um, – she's like, no, actually, I'm changing jobs to like interventional radiology type of drugs. I was like, oh, okay. And then there's like research base and there's there's all this type of stuff that you can do. Is that all like postdoc type of training or is it just a path that you just want to have to go on? So, yeah, um, there are lots of options in pharmacy. That's what I love about the profession. There's nuclear pharmacy, hospital, um, research. There's so many things you can do. And um, in the 90s, they started offering the doctor doctorate program. So all pharmacists now have a doctorate of pharmacy. Yeah, all those opportunities are available to you. You can do re- residencies and fellowships. And you'll see a lot of students coming out now complete those addi- that additional training. But, um, yeah, you, you, um, two years of undergrad work is required. Most students today you see entering pharmacy school will have a four-year bachelor degree. And then it's four years of pharmacy school. And then from there, you'll have the doctorate and you can do residency, fellowship, and from there. But Wow. And that's an intense workload. Like, when we studied drugs, it was, it was a joke. Our class was not that great. And I was already like, oh, my gosh, I can't. I can barely pronounce these words, much less know it to the level that y'all do. So it's it's not it's, it's not easy, that's for sure. So what did you choose? Have you gone big box store, hospital style, private practice? What, what are you doing these days? I do a little of the big box store. Um, I started with Target Pharmacy fresh out of school. They're no longer around. We've been um, purchased by another um of the three-letter brands is what everybody calls them. And from there, we were able to really use the technology that they had in place to augment and better our practice. But what everybody loved about Target Pharmacy was the relationships. So I feel like I have the best of both worlds, the technology, and then also the relationships I've built since I started back in 2005. And then in my current location, I've been there since 08. So 10 years, I've seen some of these patients and their families grow. So I really treasured that. And then also, I do consultant pharmacies. So I have my own company, PharmD Consultants of Texas, and we go around to different health centers and surgery centers and work with them and make sure they're compliant and following all the laws and do training and things of that nature for health center staff. So I really enjoy that as well. Let's talk about that for a second. What these uh, surgical centers have, like, their own pharmacy inside or, like, just maybe, like, they have narcotics or whatever, uh, hydrocodone or something or something like that and there's like rules that you have to follow like i'm so confused now (laughs) yeah we're not just we're not just having the good stuff so i don't want you to send anybody our way justin but um okay sorry (laughs) we have um all kinds of things to help take care of our patients that way it's all there access is a huge thing 
for all patients. So we're able to provide those right there in that setting. And that way the patient has a therapy. They're leaving with the therapy they need to whatever their issue is. So that can be resolved. So again, like um, the staff doesn't have all the training and stuff. So I'm there to help train them and let them know what's required by law and also side effects, different things of that nature. So we're compliant and are able to continue to provide those medications for our patients. That's true. Okay. So even if you're just writing a script for a bunch of antibiotics all day because you're going to have surgery in a, in a couple of days or in a week or two, that all has government rules and regulations. And it's uncommon for most places to just have a mini pharmacy in their own building. Right. It's not as common. Most people go to a, um, a retail setting to get those medications, but not enough. Wow. Curious on this part and just the business part of me. Is it because you can make more money if you prescribe the prescriptions in-house versus sending it to a store down the street or is it just for convenience? Um, it's not really about the money. It's for convenience and then ensuring that the patient is going to take the medication. If they have, that's one less barrier they have to getting the drug therapy they need. So it's more about access. Okay. Most, of, most of the centers that I deal with, they have a large indigent population. So this is just one less barrier for them to get their medication. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. How did you get involved with that? People were calling you like, hey, this is a need and you found it? Or like you decided like this is what I want to do? Or what? Funny story. So um, I lived in some condos and we had to send out notices whenever we had like an event or a pool party. So I sent out a notice like, hey, I'm having an event on this day. Et cetera, et cetera. So they sent it out on my behalf. And then one of the residents of the condo said, hey, I see that you are a PharmD or a pharmacist. I'm a headhunter. I'm looking for a pharmacist for consulting. And I ignored it for a couple of months. I think I went to Europe and did a few other things. <laughs> <laughs> I responded and I said, hey, is this still an opportunity that's available? It, it, it was unique. Not, it didn't sound like something I'd done before. And she said, yeah, I'm not, um, I don't have this account anymore, but I'm personal friends with the HR person. So I'll send you her info. And I reached out and went through the interview and got the job. And again, it's just one of those decisions that kind of kind of helped me find something that I really love and it fell into my lap. So I've continued to work. Is that something that can be turned into like a full-time job and like nationwide or throughout Texas or anything? Um, there's definitely a need for a consultant pharmacist throughout the country and then especially Texas. So the way the laws are written, it requires a consultant pharmacist um, for certain type of oh. health centers and surgery centers. So yeah, there's definitely a need there. And um, I do know pharmacists that are doing it part time, I mean, full time. So I'm kind of deciding which way I want to go in that regard. But yeah, I love it. And I'm I'm able to um, work with a few other pharmacists, and um, from there, we have the capacity to grow, and we'll see what the future holds, but right now, I'm, I'm happy to be doing both. I think I, I like traveling, but I don't know if I would like traveling six hours a day or four hours a day to all the different places in town, but that could just be me. I don't know if that's part of the, that would be part of the job, I would guess. Yeah, it is part of the job. I love it. I love being on the open road and um, still being home at night. And I also love love traveling far. But um, I do like the traveling part of it. That's one of the things that I enjoy. Going down this random rabbit hole with you. 
<laughs> I think it's cool to check out places like when I'm in a city and you get bored with the same stuff. It takes meeting new people sometimes to go to an area that you've never been. And like you find this little niche area in the town. You're like, oh, my gosh, this has been here the whole time. They're like, yes, it's a hidden, hidden gym in town or something. It's like, oh, yes. I'm on the inside track now. When we talk about pharmacy, I kind of already alluded to, you know, the one of the misperceptions about the profession is you're just kind of standing around and you're not doing much. But you actually have a very important role, if you can decipher probably the doctor's handwriting very well. <laughs> For <But>, e-prescribing. <laughs> oh, thank goodness. <laughs> no excuses now, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> what are some of the misconceptions that you kind of have to deal with on a regular basis? Well, that's one thing that we're just lick sticking and pouring. Um, oh, that's this phrase. Yeah, that's the, I haven't heard it in a long time. You just reminded me of it. <laughs> but um, yeah, <laughs> lick stick and pour. Like we're processing hamburgers back there, that everything can come out quickly and smoothly. But there's a lot that goes into filling a prescription. The misconception is that a we're lick sticking and pouring. B that we are not looking at other variables to make sure that this is the best therapy. So I really try to educate our patients. Hey, even if you're getting a prescription somewhere else, we'd love for you to get them all filled here, but let us know what you're on so we can check your entire profile and make sure that there's no interaction or calls for alarm or just keep us updated. If this medication made you have some type of interaction or rash or anything, let us know so we can update your file and um, make sure that we don't cause you any harm. That That's our biggest charges to not cause any harm isn't that what most people think like it doesn't matter like they don't realize this if you had a prescription from some other doctor that you've had it in one pharmacy for 10 years and you start getting prescribed something new like it could literally have death consequences or paralysis consequences or whatever shut your liver down because you didn't know that they were even on this and they didn't say nothing right and then also explaining you know, everything that is a drug or going to have effect on the body may not be packaged like a drug. So even some herbal teas, mm -hmm. you know, the world community is becoming so small. So there's a lot more access to things that we didn't have access to in the past. So even, um, you know, oh, my friend went to China and he brought me back this tea. It's supposed to help with my diabetes, et cetera, et cetera. Well, what's in that? Do you know? It could be great. But it also may cause an interaction or if that could be a factor to consider. So just making sure it's well-rounded and knowing, hey, let us know everything that's going on and your doctor as well. So we can um, all be informed and provide the best care. Because what is it aspirin you're not supposed to give kids? Right, right. And then it's called aspirin. So although we try to get away from calling it that, people come in looking for baby aspirin. And I say, well, are you looking for the low dose, the 81 milligram? And they say, yes. Yeah. So is it for you? And they say, yeah. Or sometimes I get that relocation. Oh, no, it's for my baby because they have a fever. And so, yeah, we are literally on the front lines to help kind of educate and dissuade bad um, decisions and things that could cause harm. That's just one of those random examples I can think of that's like, hey, you probably don't want to be doing that. <laughs> mm -hmm. so All right. So how do you guys handle, and ladies, obviously, the doctor's prescribing something and you just look at this and you're like, why are you doing this? This is the worst drug of the possibilities that you're using. Can you call the doctor and be like, hey, we need to have a conversation. Do they 
treat you with respect or are they just like, hey, I'm the doctor. You're not that doctor that is allowed to prescribe medications. You just make sure there's not an interaction and butt heads or how does that interaction work? Yeah. So if something alarms us, we do reach out to the doctor via phone and we try to talk to the doctor directly. That always doesn't happen. It might be a nurse or somebody, but we try to, we let them know our concern. And then from there, we try to get an understanding. If we still don't agree or understand, we will document the prescription. And then we have a corresponding responsibility. So if we, we can let the patient know, hey, I did reach out to your doctor, but I'm still not able to fill this prescription because of X, Y, and Z reason. And if they're valid, I mean, hopefully the patient understands where you're coming from. And sometimes they'll say, oh, yeah, I'm glad you didn't fill it or, oh, I'll follow back up with my doctor. But usually um, the doctor and the pharmacist, we can change therapies to something more suitable that we both agree on or whatever. Um, recently, I had a case where um, the patient had stopped the medication because she was having, she said liver problems. But when I talked to the daughter, she said it was kidney problems. And so I called the doctor mm. and she said, well, the patient didn't mention either one to me. So that's why I prescribed, etc." So only give her X amount of days worth and have her follow up with her primary care doctor. I don't think the patient had a primary care doctor. So I explained, well, hey, this medicine is processed through the kidney. Usually it's not prescribed for someone with kidney issues, but you mentioned liver. But there was some confusion. There was a language barrier. So from there, we were kind of able to sit down and everybody had the correct information and she decided to hold off on the medication. Wow. Yeah, you got to get your blood panel there, then, I guess, to see what the enzymes are doing. Right, right. And then, you know, the doctor, I mean, the daughter may need to take a more active role, but yeah. Wow. Do you find there's a lot of education that you have to do for the doctors or for the patients so that they are taking it correctly or prescribing correctly, or does that fall into somebody else's lap? Um, for the patients especially, yes. When I was in school, a newly diagnosed diabetic, it was, okay, they're newly diagnosed. We're going to give them a blood pressure monitor. I mean, I'm sorry, a glucometer, test strips, lancets, and they're going to take them to their class and learn how to use everything. Well, I've seen so many patients in recent years where that class part isn't happening. So essentially, we become the class. So if I can show them everything um, on that Tuesday evening, great. But if I can't, I'll say, you know what, come back to me Saturday morning and we can go over this. I'll set this all up um, and you can answer any questions you have in between that time. Read up on everything, you know, try to use it. But right now, I, I can't go over it, but I really want you to use this correctly so you can get proper readings. And they come back and they really, really appreciate us spending the time with them and showing them how to use their device and go from there. And I say, you know, usually people go to classes. So do follow up with your doctor and see if there are any classes available. And I do know of some pharmacists that are stepping in and holding those types of classes and um, doctors are collaborating with them to give their patients that extra personalized attention so they know how to take care of their new um, disease and manage it well. Well, that seems like a very, you know, we're always looking at, okay, what kind of workshop can we do get new patients or educate the ones you have so they stay loyal to you and everything. What a great idea 
if someone's out there listening and is like, what can I do to better my practice or add more value? It's like, boom, there's one right there. If it falls within your scope of practice to be, you know, doing those types of things. Heck, you could probably even hold a workshop, even if you're a, a chiropractor or a physical therapist or something like we don't really deal with that stuff, but you could collaborate with a PCP or something. That'd be, that's a great idea. There's such a need. There's such a need. Good call. Look at us doing exactly what we say. Yeah. Implementing. There we go. Critically thinking. <laughs> When we're talking about students who are in college or maybe it's time for a second career choice, any words of advice that you could give to steer them towards the medical profession and to pharmacy in particular? Well, I always say just like both of us, we started out wanting to be dentists. Spend some time with a pharmacist or in a pharmacy. You know, Some of the laws are restrictive and we can't necessarily allow you behind the counter. But even from in front of the counter, you can see a lot of what's going on and what we do. And then, you know, interview a pharmacist to see. Because I love our profession, but we do work long hours. We do stand unless you do go into um, hospital or other non-traditional route. So um, some people, that's not the life for them. But I love the flexibility our profession allows. Get access, gain access to a pharmacy or a pharmacist is what I would recommend to begin. And then math and science, those are the most important things. Um, pharmacy school is so much more competitive than it was when I went to school a long time ago. Like I said, most people will have a four-year undergraduate degree before they enter pharmacy school. So make sure that they have good uh, math and science grades and that they're a well-rounded individual. I think this is important because a lot of our job is educating and communicating with people. So we need to be able to do that in a way that the patient understands and also elevate to a doctor or a nurse level as well. Um, so we're able to get the best outcomes in either setting or, or um, situation. So never stop learning, hone, hone in on those soft skills in math and science and gain access to a pharmacist slash pharmacy. Yeah. What would make someone want to go to research or is there a lot more training that you would have to have? Like if tomorrow you said, you know what, I want to take a career change and do research in pharmacy. Like, do you, would you have to go back to school and learn a whole new field to specialize in that? Or how does it work? I don't have any close colleagues that are doing research. However, I think the closer you are from finishing pharmacy school, the easier it would be to launch a career in research because you say biostats and things of that nature. The further out, I do think you probably need some specialized training or, you know, uh, some type of... Would you have to have a PhD? Um, not necessarily a PhD, but just um, more uh, maybe a master's in um, public health or biostats or something of that nature, something in that thrust. Or if you're lucky enough, you may get to a place where they take you with just the farm B, but I think that would be an easier thing to do closer to being fresh out of school. Me, 13 plus years, uh, it would be a little more difficult, I presume. Well, yeah. not impossible with the farm D, it allows you a lot of flexibility. That's very cool. Oh, are you in charge of hiring staff, training staff, and letting people go, or does, uh, or what? Um, I have been in the past. Um, my partner at my retail setting, we, we work together 
to hire and train, but that's her primary responsibility at this point. But in the past, as a pharmacy manager, yes, that was my responsibility. What are you looking for? What makes makes for a good employee, in your opinion? Um, I need them to be smart and also have initiative. Because a lot of times we might be glued to a phone and there are things happening that need to tend to more than one thing. And so initiative to kind of address and keep things going while I'm trying to work something out with a patient or a doctor. But the most important thing is to have a heart to help um, compassion and helping people solve problems is the most essential thing for anyone working in a pharmacy or uh, for a pharmacist or a pharmacy technician. Very interesting. Yeah, that's true because you're probably on the phone a lot verifying and on hold. It's from what I've gathered from some other interviews that that's the biggest frustration is just always on the phone trying to verify stuff. True? Yes. Very true. Very true. <laughs> mm, that's horrible. Horrible, I tell you. Okay. What is getting you excited? What is? Where do you see the profession going? Where do you see yourself going maybe in the next five years? Well, I'm excited about um, personalized care. Um, I don't know if you saw the Amazon vault pill pack. So that's... Uh, oh, they did? Yeah. So that's been a... Uh, we don't know how exactly it's going to manifest, but that is kind of a game changer. And then, like, we're seeing um, same-day delivery offered by CVS. And so personalized care patients are able to gain access. And that's the biggest thing to their medications. Um, transportation may be a barrier, things like that. So we're seeing things to help with that. And so I think it would allow pharmacists to practice more at the top of their license. If I'm not worried about getting you the actual medicine, which is the most important thing, I can spend more time on explaining the medicine to you in your, at your home. You know, you're at, you have the medicine in your hand at your home. You can be putting it in your pill dispenser while we're talking about it and understanding when you should take it before breakfast, after breakfast, with this medicine or without this medicine, things like that. So hopefully counseling and education that can take on a greater role for the pharmacists. And then also immunizations. That's a huge service that we provide and we're able hopefully to do more of it as we transition and patients are able to get their medicines delivered to them. So we don't have them in the store waiting on us get it out to them to their home explain what to do and then say hey we'll check back with you at such and such time and then hey maybe you can come in this week to get such and such vaccine to avoid you getting pneumonia again or once you get over this you know maybe a shingles vaccine is what you need or oh there's a new baby coming in the family well boost dregs or a tdap or a whooping cough you know so i think I'm excited about practicing at the top of our licenses more. So, okay, I didn't know Amazon. I knew Amazon bought CVS. They bought um, Whole Foods. Now they got a pharmacy. So they're going to have to, like, what, rework the the laws in a lot of states to be able to mail drugs and all that, or what? Well, PillPack was a company that was already um, delivering individualized doses across the country. So now they're part of the Amazon family. Okay, that's gonna be wild. So, so you're not opposed to this? Some people are like, freaking out because there's a two mergers were gonna happen. Was it CVS was gonna buy a Walgreens a, and Rite Aid? Walgreens and Rite Aid were were the latest um, merger that was being worked out. 
I thought somebody was trying to buy like Edna or some, you know, one of those uh, insurance companies was trying to get bought out by something. And people were like, oh, are you kidding me? Yeah, we CBS did. Yeah. So I'm excited to see how that manifests as well. You know, will it be like a mall where you can come in and see your doctor, see the eye doctor, pick up everything at your pharmacy, everything. So I'm kind of excited to see how that collaboration works as well. And that that's going to be a game changer as well. But it's still in the beginning. So we haven't started to see how that's going to manifest yet. So that, yes, that did happen. So I guess, okay, so I'm going to go down this a little bit. I could see some people being excited. These new stores get popped up. They remove the, the, the 15 shelves of soda in the back of the store, make a little doctor's office or two. And now all of a sudden you can go to a, a big store. You can get some, some tampons. You can get a, a box of Skittles. And you can go visit your doctor, get a blood pressure cuff, some gauze, and your prescription filled all in the same building. Some people are going to really like that because now I don't have to wait at a doctor's office for three hours and all this kind of drama. I can just pop in. I had a sore throat and get the basic stuff that you would probably need anyway. I mean, do you see that? Do you see that happening, or yeah, yeah. maybe even more comprehensive roles? Um, we already kind of see that model happening for acute illnesses and things. There is um, either a nurse practitioner or a physician's assistant in some pharmacies currently, so we've already seen mm. that be successful. So I think with the Aetna merger, you know. It'll be on a larger scale. And then we, the patients with Aetna, it's clear, okay, if you go here, I know it'll be covered. There's a lot of urgent um, situations. You just go to the closest place and you may or may not be at a covered in um, a place that's covered by your insurance. Mm. So I think that takes some of the guesswork out of it and maybe uh, provide better access to care. Do you think that they might limit the amount of doctors that could take Aetna at that point where... Bob down the street is seeing his business getting squeezed by these big companies. But then at the same time, they start saying, you know, it, we actually don't need you guys anymore. We're going to just go ahead and remove 50% of the providers for Aetna. Now you have to go to these stores. Well, I hope that's not the case. But I guess I'm doom and gloom. <laughs> I see. I see. You brought it. Um, I hope that's not the case. I think adding these two forces together hopefully it'll be a synergistic relationship and it, it will improve access limiting the amount of providers may not help um, improve access so I it's my hope that essentially there be more know-how on the front end of a situation or a sickness or an emergency because we have these two entities together versus kind of guessing and figuring it out later you know we I think we're blinded when we see like we don't you don't have access like you can go to any doctor you want literally in any profession you want like there's no excuse but if you're especially like in a low income or maybe the middle of the city you know like downtown urban area where they're like well there's actually not a lot of doctors there's one clinic for six blocks of people like that's not good access so that could be an area that um is better better served perhaps yeah or you know you don't get to call and verify benefits on the weekends in a lot of cases but that may be the time you have to go see a doctor and it's becoming a situation where you can't wait till monday so you may go to the doctor down the street hoping they're in your network and they may see you, but you find out on the back end they're not. And then you have this huge bill and it would discourage you mm -hmm. from in the next time that situation occurs to go get the help you need. So hopefully, you know, 
combining and then training, access the internet, it would avoid those kind of situations. And then if it's all in one place, there's kind of a less excuse to get that. Yeah. It just made me think it also could help stop people going to the ER when they should not be going to the ER. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. We're seeing the rainbows here too. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. There's a silver lining going on. Or as I used to say, a gray lining before I realized I was butchering that phrase. They're like, a gray lining in the clouds. It's like, yeah, it's gray. And they're like, no, it's <laughs> not gray, half empty boy. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, let's switch gears. I want to make sure we keep your time on a good scale. All right. You already said you went to Europe. How lucky. Not just lucky. I'm just messing with you. But vacation's important. You work in a situation where hopefully you can... Do you get to create your own time off? Do you have like a set vacation per contracts? Or um, what can you do to, to, to make vacations a bigger part of your lifestyle? Yeah, it takes a little planning and creativity um, because, you know, I'm doing two different roles. But I definitely make time for vacation. And I kind of have a travel group that I always go with. So we always, they're uh, doctors as well. So we always try to coordinate our time so we can go and have great experiences and just get recharged. It's so important. Have you ever done a tour, like a planned tour instead of just kind of going someplace and doing it on your own, but you know, like an like a African safari where you kind of obviously you're not going to go down there by yourself, but it's going to be like a big tour group. Have you ever done anything like no, that? No, Safari is definitely on my list. And when I do head east, I want to do a great of China. So those are the two planned tours that I want to do. Okay. All right. China's easy. It's easy. Just got to get a, yeah, no, not really. No, I'm messing <laughs> with you. It would beat you in the mouth if you tried to do that probably without like, yeah. you got a plan to come to China. You can't just roll up in China and then like try to get things done. You got to find a tour guide that can speak. There's plenty of people that speak English, but to do it on your own, ooh-wee. Yeah. It would be tough. Awesome. It'd be tough. Yeah. Thing you want to really see is actually in the cities here for some reason. Like, you go to this place called Xi'an. You've heard of the uh, Terracotta Soldiers? I don't know if you've heard of that before. That's like a, an hour drive outside of the city. So if you think you're going to fly in there and go check it out, no. It's this whole thing to get there and to get back and and, uh, and all that. So it's – but anyway, besides pharmacy and working, you got any hobbies, any volunteers, any organizations that you like to be a part of? Yeah, so I do a lot of work with my church, and that keeps me busy there. I'm part of a mentoring group for high school girls, and my little mentee is graduating high school this year and headed off to college next year. So we've been together since she was in eighth grade. So um, as she's gotten older, it's been very important for me to spend a lot of time with her. And then just when I'm not working, also the larger group of girls as well. And then um, I'm a sorority girl, member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority Incorporated. So we also have a high school mentoring group. And um, we do like etiquette training, all kinds of things, and present them in debutante ball. So I work with that group as well. Um, so that's always fun and near and dear to my heart because I went through the program when I was in high school. So wow. I always love those type of things. So this is the main main community things that I like to do, um, church and sorority stuff that keep me very busy. See, I would think those are kind of uh, opposite ends of the uh, the spectrum there. <laughs> 
maybe they mature. When you get older, there's less partying and drinking. Is that what goes on? Exactly. Yes, yes, yes. It's different. This is a mentor group, guys. We just happen to party in college because they're young. We have fun. But, um, yeah, there's work to be done now, so we keep doing it. <laughs> That's funny. So is your so I'm just curious now. The sorority that you're a part of, there's different kinds of fraternities and sororities with their mission statements. So is yours more about like giving back and actually beyond just college being like that mentor to help other people? Right. So most of the black sororities and fraternities, they the membership goes beyond college and um, you either become graduate members or alumni members. And a lot of the work, most people say the work begins after you graduate. So, yeah, we're all, I can't just speak for mine, but we're all doing this type of work to better our communities, um, youth, um, voting rights, advocacy, things of that nature, helping um, kids transition into college, exposure to different professions. We're all out there doing that work. And there's um, a very robust and active network of Greek letter organizations, um, authorities and fraternities in Dallas doing that work. Wow. So that's kind of cool. So even when you're 40 years old or whatever, they could be, you could have a big conference and still meet up with a bunch of people and socialize and uh, actually have connections throughout the whole world, potentially, just based on being this. Yeah, there's conferences generally. um, The big conferences are every two years. And most of these organizations have turned 100 years old or are turning 100 years old. My organization will turn 100 in 1920. So we're gearing up for that. But yeah, we get together actually next month or this month, I'm sorry, we're in July. Our conference will be in New Orleans. And I have good friends that are in Houston right now for their conference. That's really cool. I like that. I don't think I've never been a part of one of those type of things. But when you look at it the way y'all are doing it, it sounds like it'd be very rewarding uh, long term. Because I think giving back is a huge piece, mentoring the youth and uh, not just, you know, doctors that come out of school, but people that are in that life changing position where we could go down this path or we can take the path less traveled. That's pretty awesome. Are you able to have a work life balance? Everyone hates that term, apparently. I, I may need to change it. You know, that is something that I have not mastered. I will be honest. You know, some days I'm doing great at my work-life balance. And then some weeks it's like, is there such thing as balance? So I'm figuring all that out week by week, day by day, month by month. But I know what is essential is scheduling some time for R&R just with yourself, not booking yourself to do anything um, and trying to stick that to that time as much as possible. Um, it's a lot different now. I feel like we're available seven days a week, you know, in today's world. But making sure that we prioritize time for our R&R um, is essential. And if I have to reschedule it, I do reschedule it. So Sounds like you enjoy what you do. So there's a little bit less. It almost feels like one of those terms people in like cubicles in corporate world have to deal with. Or like if they just hate their job. If you don't hate your job, you're like, well, the only issue is that, you know, your significant other or kids are neglected because you just love working that much. We're like, oh, oh yeah, I forgot. I need to like take a break and spend more time with my family because I could work all day and I love it. And it's not an issue to get off at five o'clock. Yeah. When you, uh, one of uh, a coach I have says, when you're 
passionate about your work, you you lose time doing it. So that definitely is something that happens to me. Mm. Now you mentioned before the uh, before you hit record that you are still a single lady. <laughs> I did. I mentioned that, Justin. <laughs> Oh my gosh, you did, you did. I don't, we're not dating one on one, but I've had some people make some comments before. They're like, Justin, you know anybody? I was like, well, you're about to go worldwide. I mean, you might get some information. <laughs> yeah, I'm having fun right now um, and figuring it out. But yeah, I am not a married woman at this point in life. What is the tricks? I mean, you've been out since 05. We can do the math. We know what's going on. And what is going on? Is it is it hard out there? A successful black woman in the dating scene is that is that causing some some problems, or is it uh, just the way it is these days? Um, I mean, you could say that. I feel like that's the kind of the easy answer. I just think mm-hmm. that the right person hasn't come along, and I spent time in a uh, long term relationship that didn't work out. So there's that story as well. But I'm Indeed. really hopeful. I'm in an open space, so I'm looking forward to the next year and a half or so to see what what happens because I do want a family and I want to pursue that as well you know I was about to say I'm assuming that was a bad assumption right there so we're like why would you assume that I need or want such a thing uh so I was like let me throw that out there too some people are like I'm single and that's on purpose actually thank you (laughs) (laughs) it is something I want it's not something I'm super focused on but I know I'm very faithful i know that god wouldn't give me the desire to be married and have a family and not fulfill it so that's kind of where i am with them okay i want like one more question on this because you're so content with it and there's a lot of people out there they're definitely not Mm -hmm. is there something that you have to go through to be like this isn't my desire it's not happening and i'm okay with that so i'm just going to embrace where i am was that a journey that you had to process through or yeah it was definitely a journey and i being a relationship that didn't pan out or weren't the best for me. And I almost feel thankful. I'm like, okay, God, thank you that this didn't turn into a marriage or, or something like that. So um, mm-hmm. I'm not always content, but at this moment, I am. A lot of doors are opening and a lot of things are happening at this point in my life. So I know that'll be one of them as well. So um, I don't know when it will be, but yeah, it was a journey to get here. But you know, you see a lot of heartache and things of that nature, and you want to be the right person to go through the ups and downs of life. And if you're not with the right person, you can make it that more tough. That's exactly right. I've, I've seen so many people get married because they're like 26 or 25, and they're like, I'm old, I need to get, and you, six years later, you're like, they're miserable. And you're like, wow, like, you didn't have to pick that person. Like, we all saw it. Yeah, and that's, <laughs> yeah, I'm at that age where I'm seeing the other side of it, coming out of the stuff and so you know that that's a journey in itself and there's beautiful children and things that come out of those situations and and growth but you know there's always also something to be said for missing all of that as well yeah different paths all right we're gonna switch it a little less uh a little less intense right there i have to stay ready on this podcast (laughs) that's right hey guys we give the questions ahead of time they know what's coming (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this is a different order. This is a different order. <laughs> <laughs> it's popular these days, a morning routine. Sometimes it's a lunch routine. Some people really need that so that they stay focused throughout the day. Are you one of those people? And what is it? You know, when I saw that question, I had to really think about it. I don't, I mean, my routine is 
prayer, devotion, and a little CNN. And if I don't have those th- three things, I, I feel like maybe I don't know what's going on in the world or if I'm, I feel a little off-centered. So I guess that would be my morning routine. Even if it's two minutes till I have to leave, if I turn on CNN and hear one story, I'm good to go, you know, just to feel like, okay, so I remember when 9-11 happened, you know, and I turned on the TV that day and I, all I saw was these two buildings on every channel. And every so channel. It's like, what's going on in the world? So I don't know if it's born out of that, but I just feel like I have to plug in the world in some way before I leave. And then just uh, centering myself with prayer and devotion and a little either gospel music or a little trap music, one or the other. Depends on the day. <laughs> You know, I didn't realize they had this until I was in college. But if you're, say, into, like, really heavy metal music, there's actually, like, Christian bands. And you can find some that are quite good. Have they gone Trap trap Jesus music yet? I mean, there was a song a few years back um, that was, like... That don't count. A song? (laughs) That's one I know about. I I don't follow it too closely. I'm sure that... I have to search for a Pandora station for trap gospel, but I think there is a lane for that. But that's funny. I was in New Orleans once. It was after Essence Fest, and we spent the night with a friend. Just happened to happen that way, so we didn't have any overnight clothes or anything like that. So we called a cab. This is pre Uber, and he took us from like the lakefront back to our hotel on Canal, and he changed the station, and all of a sudden it was some rap music. We were like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, you switched it up for us. He's like, yeah. Assuming here. Yeah. <laughs> so it was Christian rap. And so then we started hearing about that. I was like, oh, it's Christian rap. And then we started sharing the guy's story with them. And, I mean, we had going out clothes on, but I'm like, what is he? I'm like, we are... <laughs> I don't know. LaCrae bringing it back home for you. I don't know. I'll, I'll leave it there. But uh, it was the only in New Orleans situation. I'm like, okay. Wow. We shared the love with us. And we talked about that. And uh, he knew our souls were saved. And we were happy he shared that with us. I think he even gave us a CD. So, um, my goodness. Yeah. yeah. These taxi missions. I don't know why I brought that up. But. <laughs> Well, we need some Jesus Drake, man. If we could, if we could get an artist like that, it'd be on. Oh, a Jesus Drake. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, Lecrae does his thing, you know. Yeah, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, he's from. I think he's from this area in Texas. So yeah. Oh, that's cool. Anyway, that was <laughs> we went down a path on that one. So God can reach you anywhere. Hey, uh, being that you said CNN in the morning, what do they cover in the morning? Is it all Trump all time? I mean, I, it, I guess my news feed, people are just super into it, but they, they report other stuff, right? Yeah, they report other stuff, and uh, the Trump stuff can kind of take over. So I do have to switch it up sometimes because I don't want to hear that all the time. But, yeah, you know, right now it's the uh, soccer team that's stuck in the cave. Um, oh, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, so that's kind of the thing that I've been seeing every morning. and. Just want to hear the updates. I'm like, wow, they are live, okay, and then hopefully they'll be out soon. And I'm like, well, why? How? They're still not out. Well, this morning they found them like two days ago or something. But they have to teach them how to swim and get scuba gear and stuff. So that's the latest thing that I heard. But yeah, 
Oh my gosh. Like that, yeah. They don't know how to swim. That's a life skill you should just have, I think. A lot of people don't know how to swim, especially a lot of minorities. So it, it is a life skill, and there are programs out there trying to teach people. And then if you don't have access to cool, sometimes if you learn it, you forget it. So That's true. I say that my wife's not the best swimmer. She was, we went diving and I was like, wait, you don't really know how to swim? She's like, not really. I was like, <laughs> it's kind of a thing. Like you're in the water with like, you know, a whole tank and everything. Wow. <laughs> Blown me away. Like a friend just did it too. And she doesn't know how to swim at all. I was like, that's not the greatest idea I'm thinking. Like you should be able to float before you sink. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Very true. Wow. All right. Favorite books. Do you have favorite book, blog, podcast that you secretly love and one that you feel like, oh, everybody should definitely check out? Um, I think The Alchemist is a book that everybody should read. Um, I like that book a lot. And it's a really a short read and just hopeful. And I think you can glean so much from it. Um, I just got into podcasts, like I mentioned uh, before we started recording. The only one that I listen to religiously is um, Viewpoint with Bakari Sellers. I'm kind of a, a little bit of a political junkie, so I like to hear all the stuff he's talking about. So I try to listen. Which way does he lean? He's Democratic. Yeah, he used to be a Democratic um, senator or congressman. I, I forget. But um, Is that a name that I should have known? No, he's from, um, <laughs> okay. he's from South Carolina. I only uh, came to know him after that tragedy where the church the young man went into the church yeah so that's how i came to know him but just to see kind of behind the scenes and not in an election year so it's just a lot of interesting points of view from both sides of the aisle oh, yeah. and then um i really enjoyed your talk with uh, my good friend dr kelly so i look forward to listening to more of a uh, doctor's perspective and the great work you're doing i appreciate that <laughs> she's not even paid y'all <laughs> And when I, I heard your accent, I was like, wait, 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 that sounds like a NOLA person. And then something you said, I was like, see, I knew it. I knew it. So, yeah, Ooh. interesting connection as well. We were having, um, uh, I call it fake hot pot the other day. And I got really nostalgic while we we're eating or waiting for the food. And I was busting out shrimp po' boys <laughs> and beignets and jambalaya because they have kind of similar stuff. But it's, you know, obviously different. And they were like, oh, all that looks really good. And what is it? And I was like, oh, we might have to have a party. Yes, you should. You should. There's nothing like Can you make a roux? <sighs> I leave it to the professor. You know, I'm a Texas girl, so I stay in my lane. So I call on my Louisiana friends, and I let them do their thing. But if I had to make a roux, I could make a roux. I learned how to make a roux in a microwave. I don't, I don't know if I would. I mean, that's not really a root. That's like, the, that's like, mm, that's the guy who's like, I really need this, but I can't have all the oil anymore in my diet because I'm so, uh, you know, not healthy anymore. So I learned how to do that. I'm not that guy. I can eat the oil, but it was interesting that you can still get the brown. Yeah. I see his red X's. Like, that's all. <laughs> yeah. A in the microwave. Y'all should see her face. She's not impressed by this microwave root. <laughs> She's like, don't be cooking gumbo for me. <laughs> oh, wow. oh man uh last fun question we have an addiction to our phones most of us any apps that you are like on all the time besides social media i've been using a lot of zoom lately um for work and community related stuff 
I think it's great for video meetings. And then um, Canva for doing graphics and things like that. And and like for kind of photo editing. So that's the kind of the things that I've been into lately. Now, what is this photo editing for? Stellar Instagram account? <laughs> I guess a little of that and a little, a little other things too. You know, I had, we were at, so 20 years out of high school, we had our class reunion last month. And so one of my best friends took a picture and she really liked it, but it had her name badge on it. And she's like, oh, I like it, but this name badge is messing up the photo. And so I said, well, I can take that off for you. And so she sent it to me and I took it off. And you would have thought I just gave her the best Christmas <laughs> gift ever. So, you know, it comes in handy. I keep my best friend points when I do things like that. When you don't know how to do something that easy, it is impressive. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I say easy. Sometimes it's not easy, though. True. True. Yeah. And I think that's the beauty of it. Like, I'm totally a novice, not super tech savvy. So for me to be able to pull something off or remove a pimple or things like that, pretty impressive for myself. <laughs> Man, photo, is it? Yeah, Photoshop. Um, it is incredible. I got pictures done. Mm-hmm. All of a sudden, my shirt didn't have wrinkles. I looked bigger, stronger, a little more V. I was like, whoa, I'll keep it. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> All right? I ain't ashamed. Yeah, eventually I want to get to that level. I have a good friend that's a photographer, and he knows how to do all that stuff. But, yeah, I'm far from there. And um, yeah. that would be a passion project one day when I do get some time. Have you heard of Udemy.com? No. What's that? Udemy is a place where you can learn tons of different things from maybe like 10 bucks to 20 bucks a course. So if you wanted to learn how to do Google AdWords, Photoshop, uh, who knows, whatever else, you want to learn C++ for some reason, Ruby on Rails, they have courses that they'll just take you through how to beginners, you know, and this is all videos usually and things like that. And it's pretty cool. Awesome. Thanks for the tip. Absolutely. Well, how can people get in touch with Dr. Sylvia Perry? Yeah, well, that's my name on all social media, Dr. Sylvia Perry, Sylvia, S-Y-L-V-I-A. You can find me on all social media at that handle. And um, just shoot me a message. Say hello. I'm always around and I love to talk about pharmacy and the things that I do. Any questions you have, I'm here for them. Perfect. Thank you so much for your time this this morning. It's been uh, fantastic for me and I'm pretty sure these listeners are going to really enjoy it as well. Well, I had a pleasure and thanks for reaching out to me and I can't wait to hear it. Did you know I am offering a cupping 101 online class? You know, I've been in China for a while. I've got a class set up with some TCM docs who do cupping. We'll show you the glass kind and the suction kind. You can find more information at a doctorsperspective.net slash cupping. Right now we have a pre-sale price so you're going to save a good chunk of cash by signing up early just put your email you'll get notified when the class goes live also as always the no needle acupuncture book you can get four chapters anxiety low back insomnia and headaches it's got pictures how to find the points and of course all with no needles just go to doctorsperspective.net slash na protocol as in needleless acupuncture we had great results the other day from a lady who uh, couldn't do a lunge because her knee pain. Now, knee pain is not an issue. So excited to hear that. Also, the first book, Today's Choices, Tomorrow's Health. A lot of people are looking for a magic bullet. This ain't it. This is saying, hey, look, 
If you can do small things daily, you will see results. And I'll, I'll give you the blueprints that I use to create an exercise routine, cardio routine, get my nutrition in order, and actually get your finances in order too because that's a big stress in life. And, of course, it talks a little bit about chiropractic. So um, I hope you check that out. On the uh, website, under the resources tab, uh, these are my affiliate links that helps out support the show. Uh, Blueberry Hosting, uh, Set for Set, they've got the power bands, and, uh, and they're really, really resistant, really good to stretch those joints. Mentor Box, you can get subscription to watch the author talk about the book so that you don't have to spend the time reading it. Uh, it also comes with workbooks and things like that. It's really quite cool. Primal Health and Nutrition, you can save 10% by going through my link and using the code PRIMALDOC. Uh, it's bone broth, adheres to the autoimmune protocols and specific carbohydrate diet, gluten-free, non-GMO, no sugar, dairy-free, all those types of cool things, as well as ClickFunnels. If you f sign up through that or pick up a book from him through my links, it helps out a little bit. And then, of course, everybody's favorite, Amazon. You can sign up for different things like Prime, Fresh, or Music through our links and of course any of the show notes when you have books mentioned uh, if you follow the link through my site that'll help out as well well that is it go on ahead and leave us a five-star review thanks so much for listening and we'll see you next week we just went hashtag behind the curtain and this episode has come to an end i hope you got the right dose for your optimal life please spread the word about this podcast by telling two friends sharing on social media, and visit the show notes on a doctorsperspective.net to see all the references from today's guest. A sincere thank you in advance. You've been listening to Dr. Justin Trosclair, giving you a doctor's perspective.